HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't charm the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Greg, where the hell is Harold? He's back. He is back at home where he's supposed to be. Uh, talk to us uh, about Harold. That's that's the story of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was. Um, I'm I'm glad that I'm here in the recording studio today because there was a chance that uh, I wasn't going to be. There was a chance I was going to be combing through the woods of rural Pennsylvania looking for a a missing service dog. Um, so to back up. Uh, my sister has really, really bad celiac disease, like to the point where we were at a Thanksgiving one time where someone touched a bagel, touched the spoon that we were all eating from, uh, in the salad bowl. She used said spoon to put salad on her plate and was sick for like a week. Like she's got it really, really bad. So about five years ago, because she's a veterinarian, um, and because she's just a very good problem solver, she found a woman who trains allergy detection dogs. Uh, they're they're comparatively rare, but uh, what this process is essentially is because dogs' noses are so sensitive, you can train them to smell peanuts, you can train them to smell shellfish, you can train them to smell pretty much anything, including gluten, which apparently, I know way more about this now than when I, I, I first started on this journey of bartending uh, about 15 years ago now. But, you know, gluten is apparently a very big, heavy molecule. So it's difficult even for, you know, uh, scientific devices to tell if something really doesn't have anything in it. The FDA allows stuff to be sold as gluten-free if it has 10 parts per million of less of, of gluten. This dog can detect down to one part per million. And also he is just a board certified good boy, like a Herald. really solid, awesome, friendly, crazy dog. And he, because it was a really windy day in Pennsylvania yesterday, my sister's front door blew open. He got out, he ran all over town. And then later on last night, I guess 
decided it was time to come home and was able to find his way back from like five miles away. Um, so he is safe and sound and I didn't have to get up at like five in the morning to catch a train out there to comb through the woods all day and everybody's happy. But yeah, it's a happy ending to a very stressful day yesterday. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, uh, stressful enough to lose your beloved pet who she's had for some years now, but also this pet is somewhat integral to her health and safety, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's one of these things where, you know, before she had this dog, it was a real roll of the dice, you know, and it's and it's interesting for it's been interesting for me to watch this process because I sell, well, up until March, sold food and drinks to people for a living. And, you know, you have to be very, very cautious about allergies, about stuff that people can and can't eat, because for some people, you know, for me, a piece of toast is a piece of toast. For people like my sister, it's poisonous. And it was, it's was it been really interesting to watch how this dog can detect even like the tiniest, tiniest bit of gluten on everything that she gets at a restaurant, everything that she buys at the supermarket, basically everything that she had that she's put into her body for the past like five years, this dog has passed it. And I think it's it's amazing to watch. I have videos and I think we can put them on the Speakeasy Instagram, but uh, it's really fun. He'll <clears throat> what she'll do is she'll take whatever she's holding, you know, a, a can or a box or whatever, hold it out to him, and she gives him the command to check it and he'll smell it. And if there's gluten in it, he'll spin around in a little circle. And if there isn't and it's safe to eat, he'll back up and sit down. And it's just been so awesome to see, you know, the fact that there is this option out there to open a whole world up for people like my sister and people that my sister has later talked to about getting allergen detection dogs to make restaurants a safe place for them and not the sort of, you know, dangerous crapshoot of whether or not you're going to go there and get horribly sick afterwards. It's right. awesome. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. I'd heard of uh, of dogs being uh, allergen detectors, but I'd never, I've never seen one. And I certainly didn't know that they could smell down to one part per million. That's pretty incredible, frankly. Oh, it, it, it really is. And it's, and like I said, it's like, you know, there are, we can, we can build machines that do this, but they're not nearly as accurate as these animals that have just been living alongside human beings for millennia. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, and it's also just, <laughs> I, do, I don't want to, this is a positive story and I don't want to take it in a negative direction, but I also do have to say that it's made me much more, uh, finely attuned to, um, people that walk in with uh, service animal vests on like, you know, their purse dogs or whatever. And it's it's one of these things where, you know, I mean, my, my sister isn't, you know, blind. She isn't, uh, you know, you know, at, at a visible disadvantage to a stranger. Let's let's put it that way. Right. And she still gets a lot of scrutiny for like, oh man, like, do you really need this dog? And yeah, she she does. She absolutely does. I think the shoulder that rests on the shoulders of the bad actors out there who've gone through hurdles and hoops and pains to get their dog certified as a, a as a as a dog that they need to have with them in some sort of service, but but don't actually. And I frankly know a couple of those people, and it somewhat infuriates me, frankly, um, because those bad actors make it worse for everyone. You know, absolutely, you and me both. But yeah. but yes, but. Ultimately, it's a positive story. Uh, yeah. Her- Harold, Harold the dog is, is back. Um, 
he <laughs> it's it's just such a like you know it's it's an amazing testament to the fact that they are incredibly smart animals but they're still animals you know it's like he was able to find his way back home from five miles out in the woods that's amazing he ran five miles out into the woods in the first place that's an infuriating thing like (laughs) i would never do that but also in the dark not knowing where i was there would be no way in hell that i could just find my way back by like scent and memory right uh, well, everybody's uh, elated that Harold is fine and that your sister can now continue to be, uh, you know, cared for and safe by his uh, his dutiful service. Um, but let's get into our show. Let's get into our thing. Let's who, absolutely do that. Yeah. Who do you got in the virtual studio with us today, Greg? Today in the virtual studio, uh, coming to us from sunny Santa Fe, New Mexico, we have Natalie Bovis of the Liquid Muse and Organic Mixology. So, Natalie, thanks so much for uh, tuning in with us today. It's great to have you. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, I was so fascinated by that story you just told about <laughs> your sister's dog, and I'm such an animal lover that like hit me on so many levels. That was amazing, right? Uh, you know, a little little sunshine story in this uh, typically gloomy uh, era. Uh, yeah, that's nice. Uh, Harold uh, Harold does a good job. He's a I like that you certified him as a good boy. That's good to know as well. Oh yes, uh, he's got yeah. the papers to prove it. Uh, Natalie, let's talk a little bit about your um, past first, and then we'll get, of course, to your present. Um, Greg mentioned, of course, Liquid Muse, uh, uh, as well as Organic uh, Mixology. Um, But uh, let's talk about the Liquid Muse. Been around since 2006. What does your, what, 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 what does Liquid Muse offer to the, to our sector? Well, uh, you know, it's evolved over the years. I, um, you know, I worked in hospitality since I was 15 back in the 80s in one form or another as a busser, a host, a a server, a cocktail waitress, a performer. Like I've done it all. I even did singing telegrams for a while back in my (laughs) LA, back in my LA days. And I catered like forever. Um, So, and then, but, but the Liquid Muse was, hatched out of an idea I had back in the mid-2000s. I was working in Washington, D.C. as a restaurant publicist. It was like my day job while I was also trying to do all my acting and all my other writing and, you know, fun things. Um, And the bartenders there, this is back 2004-ish, so like Derek... Uh, Brown and Jane Nagashivani were working in some of the accounts I was doing PR for. And, you know, folks like them were making these amazing cocktails. And I got so excited about it. You know, blogging was kind of a newish thing then. So by 2006, I quit my PR job and just started blogging full time about mixology. And um, what was kind of interesting uh, about it, which I didn't consciously, I wasn't consciously aware of, but I was one of the only, you know, females blogging about cocktails at that time. And so I unwittingly kind of opened up some opportunities for myself. Um, I, I can't say I was clever enough to have planned it that way. I was just super interested in this mixology thing. And my blog got a following. I started getting written up, Marie Claire, and like all these like random big folks like mentioned it. And then that led into liquor companies kind of reaching out to me and saying, hey, 
we already know, this is mid-2000s, you know, we already know that women buy most of the wine. We want these women to buy spirits and make cocktails. You're a female voice in the space, like telling people about great cocktails and how to make them. And because at the time I was kind of learning myself, you know, really about mixology. And they're like, you know, can we pay you to talk to women about cocktails? And I was like, heck yeah. So that's how it began. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a great origin story for, for, for a thing. And it's, and it stood, stood the test of time. It still exists. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really blog so much because nowadays blogging is just working your butt off for free and <laughs> no one really reads blogs that much anymore. You know, it's more about the podcast. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I I have written a few cocktail books since then and whatnot. And but I, I'm not so much blogging now, uh, but now I, I do other stuff, which I can tell you about if you're interested in that stuff. Well, I mean, I know you do just looking at your website, you do events and marketing, you do classes and training, do. you do consulting and, and trend watch. I don't I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I see that blogging is underneath that that section. Um, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, you uh, pretty fortunate uh, that you decided to make that leap and just blog full time at that particular time, as you said, being especially maybe one of the few women, I, I, I kind of remember at that time, it was like sweet blog of mine was around as well, right? Lauren Spryer, uh, another woman, but like, you're right, not a lot of, I can't, I can, I can think of like, you know, Morgan, Morgenthaler was around and uh, even Boudreaux was around. I can think of dudes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, drink boy, yeah. but I, but I don't really yeah. recall thinking like, oh, right, another woman. So like, yeah. you're just somewhat right place, right time, but also just, you know, you got picked up and that's great. Yeah, well, you know, I was able to put those PR skills to use, I guess, and just say, right. hey, guys, <laughs> hey, hey, world, I have a blog about cocktails, and people are interested in that now. Want to read it? You know, so it kind of happened like that. But yeah, I mean, what happened over the years after that was, you know, once these liquor companies started kind of reaching out and being like, hey, I saw you write a cocktail article for Rachel Ray's magazine, so we want to hire you to talk, you know, talk like Rachel Ray or our you know, potential customers out there. So I became a spokesperson. Um, at that time, it, I wasn't called a brand ambassador. Right. <laughs> and it wasn't really the same function as a brand ambassador as we know it today. But like, for example, a weird, another weird like twist that happened again, like I wasn't really so clever to plan all the lucky twists I had, but um, I had gotten married around that time and was hoping to start a family around that time. And so, um, and lots of my other girlfriends were getting married and having kids and I was like their cocktail friend. So they'd asked me to make uh, mocktails for their baby showers. So my first book, Pregatini's Mixology for the Mom-to-Be came out in 2008. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, but you know the crazy thing? But here's another weird, like, lucky thing I didn't plan. So I wrote this Pregatini's because I'm like, oh, my friends all want to have this, you know, a book like this. You know, I've written three cocktail books. The other two I was, you know, thought, oh, these are my great liquor books. No, no. Pregatini's is the only one still in print of the three and the <laughs> one that I actually get residuals from. <laughs> I mean, I you know, like with a title like that, though, every day someone's finding out that they're pregnant, and also I think every year, year over year, and it's even harder this year. Uh, Non-alcoholic and mocktails, uh, whatever you want to call them, uh, are 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 becoming more and more of a recognized category. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I just uh, I just I just posted out on uh, on my social media about I said. Um, there are several vegan butcher shops here in New York City. There's a dairy-free cheese shop in uh, in the Essex Market, and just opened in Hell Square on Ludlow in the Lower East Side is a 
a completely non-alcoholic bottle shop. So it just seemed inevitable, right? Uh, That's so, I, so I, cool. Yeah. yeah, I can I can see why that place uh, that book has legs. Um, well, and and I love I, I've seen some of the stuff that you've done, Souther, about the non-alcoholic stuff too, uh, and they like, posted about on social media. And I think it's really great when we have you know bartenders, respected bartenders such as yourselves, you know, also talking about health and wellness and talking about, you know, physical and emotional health and talking about mocktails as well as cocktails. I think that the one thing I've been really excited to see over the last, you know, 15 years or so that I've been in the game is, you know, more of a focus on balance, uh, which, I, you know, I hope we talk about all, you know, that topic a little bit more because that's yeah, something super important to me. And I know that it is to you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, that seems like a pretty appropriate spot maybe for us to take a break. Uh, we can come back and keep talking to Natalie Bobas, who's got such a compiled amount of different experiences in her life that have all led to the place that she's at. You know, um, an actor, an entertainer, a marketing person, uh, a person who's round, rounded the rounded the bases in, in every part of the restaurant and bar. Uh, and that's what brought you to Liquid Muse. And now we're going to come back and keep talking with you about organic mixology and where you're going from here. So stay tuned to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back. You were listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. Today we're talking with Natalie Bovis of a lot of different things. Uh, Natalie, we were just talking about all the stuff that you had done that led you to where you are now. And uh, we were talking a little bit about... um, your blog, Liquid Muse, and how it was really trailblazing because you were uh, one of the first women in that space. And now you have a company called uh, Organic Mixology. You're putting out some really amazing liqueurs. And it also seems like uh, the more things change, the more things stay the same in a lot of ways because it sounds like you're one of the first women in that space too. So talk to us a a little bit about that brand and sort of about your uh, journey there and what that's been like for you. Thanks. Well, so the Liquid Muse is my business, which is kind of an umbrella for you know all the different things I do, and so 
that this whole organic mixology liqueurs that came to be because around 2008, I was going around uh, the country with a client of mine, which was method home cleaning products of all random things, um, but (laughs) teaching organic cocktail classes for this stylish, sustainable lifestyle, a campaign they were doing at the time. And so uh, my own partner, my own liqueurs partner, Jason Monkarsh, he wanted to start this organic liqueur. He heard I was teaching these organic cocktail classes all over the place. We got put in touch and that's how Ohm was born. Um, uh, it's, it's really, uh, interesting to be part of a brand, you know, it's a totally something I would never have started by myself. I'll just say, um, I'm very glad that Jason kind of came to me, uh, with this idea. And I think that he and I balance each other very well because, you know, I do have more experience in the mixology world. He came from more of a business, you know, different kinds of business background and, our goal was to create a an organic liqueur, which it is, the USDA certified organic. It is gluten-free, but of course, anything distilled is. <laughs> and, Not until Harold um, says it's gluten-free. Exactly. We'll have him scan it. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Please. Because like, if, if Harold detects anything, we need to go back and reformulate. Um, but... <laughs> But uh, but but the thing that I, I feel really good about with Ohm Liqueurs is that our mission is very much about sustainability. You know, the one thing I've always been adamant about with my work in the Liquid Muse is really being authentic. You know, I don't try to go around and say I'm the best anything because I'm not. I do, I'm a jack of all trades in a lot of ways. I'm pretty good at several things, but I don't ever consider myself the best at anything. Um, but what I do, I do with integrity and to the best of my ability. And that's how I feel about Ohm. I think that Ohm is, you know, our our dark chocolate and sea salt liqueur is kind of our, you know, little breakout star of the four flavors that we have. It got a great write-up in the New York Times recently saying that it was, you know, the one uh, that it's a keeper, you know, which like really made a big impact for a little brand like us. Um, we it starts with organic sugarcane based uh, distillate sweetened with organic agave nectar all of the essences and essential oils and flavorings and everything that's in there all passes USDA certified organic regulation um the flavors are very good and i made a point when we were formulating to make sure that it wasn't too sweet um i personally having also been a bartender you know never wanted to I, i've worked with chocolate liqueurs especially that can be a little bit corn syrupy Um, they have an artificial taste to them. They're creamy or they're too goopy and sweet. And I've never really liked that, uh, because when you use a liqueur that's too cloying and too sweet, it kills the drink and it's all you taste and it, it makes it only a dessert cocktail. And what I love about, you know, what, what I'm proud of, I should say with especially our dark chocolate and sea salt is I think of it more as a flavoring tool. It's not overly sweet. It's not viscous, um, but it brings like cocoa, espresso, chocolate, a hint of sea salt. I've done cocktail pairing dinners, uh, like when I did, for example, in um, in where was it, Vail or Telluride, somewhere in Colorado, some fancy resort about eight years ago, and I I did basic and essentially a, a chocolate old fashioned that I paired with the chef's elk sirloin dish, and it worked. Oh, yeah. 
It was it was so good, and and the yeah. reason why it worked <laughs> is because and I, I don't eat meat anymore, FYI. I'm a big animal advocate, um, but um, but at the time, you know, I thought it was just so awesome because the dark chocolate and sea salt gave a depth and uh, richness to the old fashioned without it becoming a dessert drink. And so I think that that's one of the coolest things about Ohm as far as the product is concerned. And of course, we have a mission, which I can talk to you about our mission too. Totally. But yeah, I think that's 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 a big problem when it comes to, you know, your more quote unquote dessert flavors like chocolate, vanilla, cinnamon is that, you know, those flavors actually work beautifully in in more kind of savory, complex ways. But we just, you know, we've cupcakeified them so much as a society that it's it's it, it, let me ask you this. Is it a tough sell to say here's a chocolate liqueur, but it's not you can use it in stuff other than a Choco Tini. Like it, it works really well with, you know, your more gamey viscous meats. Do people go, Oh, that sounds weird. Or do people go, thank God it's about time. Yes. The latter. I mean, that is literally (laughs) one of my talking points, (laughs) you know, like it's a chocolate liqueur, but it's not the chocolate liqueur you might be thinking it is, you know? And so that, that is absolutely a, a, a strong suit. I think, um, of our own dark chocolate and sea salt liqueur for sure. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, you mentioned the mission because OM doesn't just stand for organic mixology. It stands for uh, oceans and mountains as well. Am I right about that? Yeah. Well, so it, it's, so the brand itself is organic mixology liqueurs, OM liqueurs, but you know, I, 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 so over the course of the liquid muse, you know, I do marketing and I do events and I've been, you know, uh, hired by a lot of different companies to create, you know, spirited dinners at tails and, you know, different kinds of, um, events, you know, trade and consumer events. I love doing events. I have a festival here in Santa Fe cocktail and culinary festival and taco wars, which is my big event I do normally every year. But, um, you know, as because I oversee the marketing for Ohm, uh, one of the, the things I really wanted to bring in was the oceans and mountains, which we were really launching this year, 2020. This is a newer initiative. Um, we have been doing other things that are uh, environmentally friendly. For example, since the beginning, we donate a percentage of the uh, bottle sales to Trees for the Future, which is a really wonderful organization that plants trees in places like Haiti or different parts of Africa where hurricanes or drought or whatever have affected uh, trees in that area. And, you know, so that's a really wonderful organization. Um, this year, 2020, we're donating a dollar for any all bottles sold throughout the year to the USBG Bartender Relief Fund. Um, you know, we're, we've always been very um, devoted to, again, that authenticity I was talking about. So through, um, you know, part of our mission really is to try to give back to the bar community and also to the environment as I mentioned, I'm a huge animal person. So with my events, Taco Wars and my New Mexico Cocktail and Culinary Festival, I raise money for the Santa Fe Animal Shelter through those events. Um, I really feel that, you know, when we are entrepreneurs, we have an opportunity to kind of craft a vehicle to be of service. And of course, you're both hospitality people. You know, we know that hospitality means to be of service to the people in front of us, the guests in our in our venues. But I feel, or I should not, but, and in addition to that, I feel that as a small business owner, I also have an opportunity to be of service to my community, whether it's raising money for my animal shelter in Santa Fe, 
um, through the, the Liquid Muse events, whether it's through Ohm liqueurs and we can give back to the environment because we are an organic liqueur. That's very important to us. You know, that all of that ties together to me to have some kind of meaning, you know, behind um, behind doing work. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, it's an obligation we have to be to extend our hospitality to the community that we're in. Right. Uh, they've hosted us and given us space to do what we do. It seems obligatory to me to give back. And we in my bars, we've, we've always made efforts to give back as well. I want to talk to you a little bit about if we can. I don't want to veer too, too much off the topics you want to talk about. But New Mexico Cocktails and Col- Culture Culinary Festival. It's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Natalie, I just opened the new phase of Amore Margo, which is a tasting room. Uh, it's, yeah. a, uh, it's, a, it's an event uh, where we do paired uh, cocktails that are Amaro-focused with vegan fare. Uh, so it seems so to align cool. seems to align with everything you do. Well, we saw that it was an opportunity to have, you know, what are Amari? They're botanical, vegetal, herbal, uh, and what is vegan food? Well, it's all that stuff too. It seems like a natural fit, right? Um, and we've been knocking it out of the park. So I'd love to maybe uh, come down and, and participate in that when it's uh, safe to do so I was so just going to ask you. I was just going to ask <laughs> you, will you please come talk about that at the festival when we can gather again? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Thank I'd love you, to come. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I'd love to come down and talk, and I'd love to come and bring, you know, we hired a chef. His name is Alec Gross. He was the former uh, sous chef for ABCV, which is the, uh, you know, the, the vegetarian uh, restaurant here that's well-known in New York City. Um, and, uh, you know, I just said, look, I'm going to turn the dial up a notch and make it make you vegan. You know, you're not just going to be vegetarian in here. Um, so he's been just really... Uh, I don't know what what a great time we've been having tasting cocktails up against the foods that he's making, making pairings out of it that that makes sense. And and so far, I mean, granted, we've opened two weeks now, and and, and during COVID, so we're only serving maximum sixteen people a night. So the return uh, of uh, input isn't too high yet. But the data that we're getting back is that people are charmed by it, overwhelmingly uh, happy with the notion. So we're having a great time. I'd love to come down, and yes, I would I would be happy to give a talk and then a demo or a dinner or however it works. I don't know, but I'm I'm very interested. All of the above. And, you know, and I, I can't wait to come and see your new space, too. And I love that you're doing that. I, I was, you know, saying on social media that you're expanding. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. wow, you know, that is super impressive. And, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, not hard to expand, not? not not hard to expand when your original space is only 240 square feet. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But still, but still, yeah. that's I mean, that's a really I love that. It's a leap of it's really a leap of hope. I think that when we're in the crazy situation like now and you keep yeah. looking toward the future and opening new things and moving toward the future, you know, that not only gives hope for our own selves, but for each other. So I love that you did that. Well, thank you. And I'd love to have you come and see it and, and see it in person and show you how, Can't wait. how frankly, how frankly beautiful it is and, and how, you know, excited I am to serve these, these uh, dishes alongside of my drinks. It's, it's been real, it's really, been really great for me because I don't know if you, you knew this, but I was a chef for 12 years also. So a lot of collaboration going on between front and back. And it's been, first of all, certainly a challenge, but it's also been really um, hmm, invigorating, I guess, like during this sort of time that's been pretty downtrodden it's been it's been something to to grip onto and 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 get some energy from so anyhow yes enough about me let's get back to you let's get back to um ohm spirits you, you were talking we're talking a lot today about the um the chocolate one but you've got a couple other flavors too right 
We do. Uh, we launched our vanilla and rose a couple of years ago, which I, I've been wanting to do more floral. And of course, floral is always tricky because you don't want it to get soapy and perfumey. Um, I think that, that the sort of creaminess of a vanilla flavor with the light floral of a rose just works really beautifully together. So obviously it's great for, you know, champagne cocktails, for Valentine's Day, for Mother's Day, for summer weddings, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's a really fun one. We also have our coconut and lychee, and we have our Meyer lemon and ginger. All of the flavors that we have are two notes. Um, and I think, you know, our that word I'm so tired of, pivot, right? Our pivot has been to um, really look toward the consumer. Uh, obviously, you know, prior, I mean, we're a very small brand, right? Um, and so every bottle sale counts for Ohm. And prior to uh, the pandemic, we had just signed with uh, Vision, who was rolling us out into like 30 new markets this year. And so we were like, wow, this is our year. We're going from like being in, you know, eight eight states to like 30 states. And I was so excited. Um, and, you know, we'd been really building the brand on premise, mainly like Las Vegas, Nevada, I mean, Las Vegas, Nevada, and New York City were our two biggest markets. And we're really working on building LA. Um, obviously, that all went. And so what we did was we, we took a moment, took a deep breath. And I went back to my personal roots, the Liquid Muse roots, which was blogging about cocktails to consumers. I was speaking always, consumers have always been the Liquid Muse audience, more so than bartenders, because I learn from bartenders and I share it with with the, the Liquid Muse consumers. So we went back to, I said to Jason, my partner, I'm like, well, you know what we have to do now is, you know, right now the bartenders aren't working, the, the, the bars are closed. We need to be talking to the consumers. And so we did a whole new website, we added uh, the the ability for people at home to order online. We um, have a, a a couple of uh, ambassadors who <laughs> are creating these lovely um, how to cocktail videos and just creating really. We have Claire Mallet in LA and Angela Clary who lives here in Santa Fe also, and they're just these really talented women. We have uh, at this point, you know, we've had always had a. Uh, female ambassadors. Um, we're not trying to leave men out, but I really do like to give a chance to more women because I know that over the years I've often felt looked over um, for, you know, different opportunities uh, because I did feel that there was a lot of like, you know, it tails, you know, this kind of guy camaraderie of let's get wasted and go hit the strip clubs together. And the next thing, you know, the guy who was there, like got this cool gig and I'm not, not taking away from anyone, you know, who's had their cool gigs, but it kind of feel like, you know, there were a lot of times where females didn't have as much of that chance to sort of buddy up and get to know people who held the keys to the opportunities. And so, um, so I, I really do like having, uh, you know, kind of focusing on female ambassadors. Um, and also these women are wicked talented and do beautiful photography and beautiful videos and just are very authentic, kind, lovely people. And I hope to add a couple more before the end of the year. Um, yeah, that's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I think, uh, you gotta, you gotta use the, 
I mean, people always say, you know, you got to responsibly use your platform. And I think you have a platform and you're responsibly using it. So uh, if you if you're interested in any recommendations, I, I have some people in my pocket that I could recommend that you that would help you out here in New York City and be interested in, in dealing with these products. Oh. How um, Thank you. Yeah. 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 So what, what is the website to get to Ohm uh, Delivery so that our listeners it's will know? <coughs> Organicmixology.com mm-hmm. uh, is, is the Ohm website. The TheLiquidMuse.com is my website, which also has, you know, a path to Ohm. But Organicmixology.com is our website. And then our Instagram was Organic Mixology, but it got hacked. And so it's like really weird. So we had to start a new one after like, weeks of trying to figure it out so our now our instagram is ohm dark chocolate um on instagram uh we're, we're going to be rolling out a new product actually you know kind of like you saw they're innovating during this lull if you will uh we're rolling out a new product which i th- think i can talk about um mm-hmm. it's gonna be um and if and, and if not well then I'll, I, I think i'm gonna uh Beg forgiveness to my own partner rather than ask permission because I'm really excited about it. That's um, how I do. That's we, how I operate half my life. I think that's my yep. mantra. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just um, simpler we, this way. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we are going to be launching uh, an Ohm uh, dark chocolate cold brew can uh, very Ooh. soon. A lot of people. Yeah, it's dark so good. Chocolate, dark chocolate cold, and that's the dark chocolate and sea salt, right? Yeah, the dark chocolate and so sea a little, salt mixed a little with, salt with a in your coffee. Brew. Yeah, yeah, that it, sounds I'm telling dope. you, it is so good, and and it's low ABV. You know, it's not crazy strong, and they're super duper duper delicious. And so again, you know, while we're thinking about consumers and people wanting to have convenience and buy something at the store that they don't necessarily have to mix up themselves, you know, that that's our our new project, our new project, new product that's coming out pretty soon. Oh, I mean, believe me, uh, bottle cocktail sales are, uh, since we opened the store, it's it's uh, easily, hands down, no questions asked, it's our number one selling item. Uh, we have Amazing. six varieties uh, that are just racked up in the case, and uh, if time allows, we can do, uh, you know, custom ones as well, and we offer them in a range of sizes, from 100 milliliter, milliliters all the way up to a liter, and they are difficult to keep stocked so you know that's, that's so what great. That's, that's what the consumer's looking for right now and you know you mentioned earlier like you've turned your focus back to the consumer or maybe you just refocused on them uh, you know like i mentioned uh, off air i think i i got myself involved in a facebook group that's suddenly chosen my book to sort of be their bible and there's there's about 10,000 people in that group and uh, i have sold so many books during this time and also my book in general i didn't write it for necessarily for bartenders there's certainly i i always say my book's third 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 it's the third nerdy information to keep the bartenders happy uh, but not so much that it bores everybody else uh, there's a third sort of anecdotal stuff in there just me telling stories and then there's a third recipes and that the goal is to to definitely target the consumer because targeting our industry is is, is limiting yourself to a smaller pool That's right. That's right. And, you know, even when we show up in a hospitality job, I mean, we're there to serve the consumer, right? It's not just about us patting each other on the back all the time within the the mixology world, which is, you know, it's fine. It's great to celebrate each other. But I think that it, it is great for us all to kind of, you know, keep remembering, you know, that the consumer is like, you know, what who we show up to serve whenever yeah. we do whatever it is we do, you know. Without them, we're literally nothing. 
Well, exactly. <laughs> just a bu- just a bunch of nerds that are probably drinking too much. <laughs> you know, guilty. I agree with everything yeah. except probably. Yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> it's definitely. Um, so, uh, talk a little bit more about how you uh, disseminate. Um, a, a lot of your money's towards charities. I'm always interested in that. As you probably know, I used to have a bar called Coup where we donated 100% of our profits to charities that were being defunded or threatened by the government. Uh, looks like you're more animal-driven. Um, maybe I'm just flipping through stuff here. Well, I personally am more animal-driven. So so with uh, uh, under, again, under the Liquid Muse, I have Taco Wars, which is my big event, which is the opening party for my festival. Now, um, just taco- a, two of the things under Liquid Muse are food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, that. so that's one thing that over the course of time, I've, uh, now I'm speaking purely about the Liquid Muse here, you know, I obviously am still involved with OM, uh, which is, you know, under my umbrella, but... But I'm very, I've always been as much about food as cocktails, my personal self, you know, the cocktails took, took the spotlight with regard to all the work I was doing, you know, because people were paying me to talk about that. No one was paying me to talk about food. Um, but, but, you know, I, I always, you know, whenever I'm teaching classes to consumers, I'm always talking about thinking of mixology as the liquid element of the culinary world to help them, you know, sort of like put it into context, why we're mixing things and balancing and training and learning and all that to help them relate. You know, it's not just like throw a bunch of stuff in a glass. I mean, I'm, preaching to the choir when I'm saying this to you guys, but you know, that's what I talk I mean, about we're in my pretty, we're, Yeah, we're pretty simpatico. I always, uh, my, yeah. I, I, think, I think my Twitter handle, the little sentence there just says, I used to cook food and now I just make chilled soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, had, yeah. I don't think I noticed the, the chilled soup part. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so, you know, I, I mean, I'm so, so I'm, I'm like such a chef groupie you know i like i I respect mixologists but i'm not a groupie for mixologists i'm a groupie for chefs i am just like oh you know more than celebrity actors or anything um so yes very much a lot of what i do is about food taco wars is my most successful event of the year and i'm just you know really sad because this year i was gonna expand it to las vegas and next year i was gonna expand it to los angeles and taco wars is my big breakout of my events and obviously very food driven although we do have cocktails equally involved with taco wars um I'm just rambling on now. Oh, but my uh, back to your question, which yeah. was um, from my events, from my festival and taco wars, I take 20% off the gross sales. So that's pre-tax off the gross sales. And I donate that directly to the animal shelter, um, which, you know, I, I can't donate all the profit because it's a freaking expensive event to do. Uh, sure. But I just take 20% right off the, the gross sales, not even profit sales, just gross, and give it to the animal shelter. With OM, what we do is that's broken down more to, like, for example, I said for 2020, we're giving the USBG Bartender Relief Fund a dollar per bottled sold throughout 2020. Now our sales are down, so it's not as, you know, the millions we would love it to be, but you know, but it's something, you know, that we can, that we can do as a company. And then with trees for the future, um, Jason, who is my partner in Ohm, he's more the money guy, you know, I'm more like the marketing person. Um, and I'm not overly involved with that, but he, so I, I, so I say that to say, I don't know what the actual number is like dollar wise, but I know that, 
that it breaks down to almost a dollar per bottle. Um, also that he donates to trees for the future every year. Um, just like writes them a check, you know, for that. Right. So let me, let me just ask what, Exactly is Taco Wars because I'm I'm picturing a, I'm picturing something somewhere between the Great British Bake Off and the food fight scene from Animal House. Like, is it what? <laughs> what, what actually is it? Because I'm very intrigued by all these possibilities. Oh God, yes. So Taco Wars is my most fun thing. So it's um so basically it's a taco competition. Uh so I started it here in Santa Fe again as the opening party for New Mexico Cocktail and Culinary Festival. So I have usually like I mean, we're a small town, so like we have like 25, you know, chefs that participate. Um, they each do their own like signature, like they create a taco for the event. So I have Italian restaurants involved, uh, Greek restaurants, Asian restaurants. So everyone's doing these like chicken parm taco or like, all these random, you know, like things. And it sells out like super fast every year. Um, and then there are all these different liquor brands. Cause of course my whole festival is about mixology too. So all the, these different liquor brands have their cocktail that they're featuring. Um, and then people come to the event, they buy one ticket, they get to taste and sample every drink and every taco. Very few people can eat through all the tacos, but you know, they certainly try. Challenge accepted. Oh my God. <laughs> it's it's so much fun. I always have live music. Uh, people are, cl it's crazy. Like, again, I was just so happy that it's, I'm, I'm happy it's so successful because I yeah. didn't know, you know, you never know if it will be or not. Some things I try just totally flop and no one cares. But this one, people are like, they're emailing me. Like the governor, when she, we have this awesome governor, Michelle Luham Grisham, who um, is a Democrat and a very strong woman. And I love her to bits. And so when she was running for governor, um, her office was calling me because Taco Wars was sold out. And they called me like, do you think we could get some tickets? Could you squeeze her in? I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's just really like, it's so much fun. And so I really hope you guys come. And then as I do, I just got the federal trademark for Taco wars um so as i expand it throughout the country you know you're welcome to come be involved whatever chat like like Sutter okay. said challenge accepted yeah once again <laughs> I i'd love to come and be involved in that one too Jeez. oh my uh, god you'd be great at it you'd be so great in it yeah let's get it on um Wow, another uh, episode has whizzed by with the very charming uh, Natalie Bovis. Natalie, anyone wants to get in touch with you or Ohm or The Liquid Muse, uh, where do we look? TheLiquidMuse.com is kind of a catch-all for anything I talked about. Um, but also OrganicMixology.com is where you're going to find the liqueurs. Uh, but, you know, either way. Yeah. You got a Instagram too or... Oh, yes. Yeah, so at The Liquid Muse or at Ohm Dark Chocolate. Great. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like in the beginning we would do this and people would give out their emails and then it was just oh, their Twitter. <laughs> then it was just their Twitter. Then it was just their website. And now it's frankly, everybody just goes to Instagram. That's kind of the only thing that seems to matter. Yeah, Instagram's the most fun. I do have a, I do have a, a the liquid uh, on Facebook. I have a group. It's a private group, so but people can ask to be, you know, accepted and we'll accept them. Um, but it's the the Liquid Muse Cocktail and Culinary Club. 
Facebook group. So if anyone wants to join that, you know, I I would love for you guys to come and share some recipes with people and talk about your stuff and and your podcast. You know, you're very welcome to post about it. Absolutely. And and I got to be honest, this week I've been making uh, a lot of um, reposado margaritas with the uh, chocolate and sea salt, which is... Oh, good. I love I love repo and chocolate, man. It's a it's one of these I love yes. it because it's one of these combinations that doesn't make logical sense but just works so beautifully well. So yeah, absolutely all. I'm I mean, so happy. I think I basically just gave the recipe. That's pretty much what it is. But yeah, trust <laughs> me, uh, you you won't regret it. I uh, love it. Thank you. Uh, outstanding. So Natalie, so thankful for your time today for being on the show. Um, and that is th- that's it for this week's episode of the Speakeasy. Be sure to turn into tune into Heritage Radio Network for more shows and content just like this. If you've got the time, go up to the Beating Heart uh, in the, on our website and uh, donate some money or become a member. That's what funds all these shows and keeps us on the air, creating this content for you to listen to. And hanging out in the studio or the virtual studio uh, is one of the joys of my uh, week. Every week, it's uh, it's something I do just to uh, just to recharge my own battery and certainly this episode has done that so once again thanks so much to natalie bovis from liquid muse and ohm spirits uh thanks to greg for being here with me uh as always uh, and i appreciate it all so cheers everybody cheers brother cheers thanks guys so you don't shun the devil with your rock want more of the speakeasy follow us and ask questions on instagram at speakeasy podcast or on twitter at speakeasy radio you can find damon at damon bolty and you can find me at creative drunk on all platforms Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. The Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture will be hosting their annual Young Farmers and Cooks Conference virtually this year on December 8th through 10th. Programming will cover topics like mutual aid, regional grain economies, land management practices, and much, much more. Whether you're a farmer, cook, butcher, miller, preservationist, processor, or anyone else in the food chain, this conference is for you. Learn more at stonebarncenter.org slash YFCC.